podcasts on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're doing it. John Mita, how are you, buddy? Joe, Joe, good to be with you, as always. Um, yeah, man, back in the, uh, the Delco area, so it's, it's, it's different. It's very different, man. Yeah, tell so, our peeps, uh, you had been gone for what, like 40 days or something? No, more than that. I was actually down in Florida for two months. I left February 28th and came home for work April 30th. So, wow. So it was, uh, it was a bit of a long haul, man, to be away from things. But good to be back. I've seen a couple people, some good friends. It's just, uh, again, man, it's just a strange world we're living in and you know how we deal with it from here and everyone keeps talking about i can't wait to return to normalcy i don't even know if there will ever be a new normalcy which is very sad um but you know just doing what we're doing trying to keep the sports podcast going while there's no active sports but there's certainly always a lot to talk about even if we just like to talk in general so yeah man well some of that a... some of that today will be a little bit you know about other things. We're going to talk some shows, some Netflix shows to, to watch or Amazon Prime. Uh, we got a little debate we're going to get into that I saw on Twitter from NBC Sports Philadelphia, which I thought was a cool concept. Yeah. Um, that You know, it's, it's not going to be a novel concept, but we'll dive into a little Mount Rushmore Philadelphia athletes. And then, um, well, we want to get a little draft recap. Last time we, we talked to you, John Mita. Here on the Brotherly Love Podcast Whew. with myself, Joe O'Donnell, and the one and only John Mita. Uh, you were you were spicy, and you went on like a 20-minute rant, ripping the Eagles. And uh, this was after the Jalen Hurts pick, I believe, round two. So we haven't heard your <laughs> your breakdown or your assessment on rounds three through seven. So first uh, of all, give us the grade for the Philadelphia Eagles, a draft as a whole. As a whole, man, it's so hard to say. Um, you want to go incomplete after, after first, after the first, you know, two days, I was like giving it a, you know, a solid day. Um, now I'm kind of leaning towards more like a C plus. There's so much, a lot of wait and see, because I really like what they did on the, you know, basically day three, which is, but. The problem with liking what they did was <laughs> on day three is they're talking about the rounds of three through seven. Right. So how many of those guys are actually, number one, going to even make your team, let it be the practice squad or the official 53-man roster, or, you know, who who's going to stick from that or who's going to – Actually contribute. Yeah. Contribute. And that's – and again, that's why I was so pissed off. A lot of other Eagles fans were pretty pretty ticked off to the fact that when you're picking those first couple rounds, rounds one and two, you have to hit on those particular picks. They have to be contributors for your football team. It's not like we're in this this mode of rebuilding. It's no, we want to kind of replenish the cupboard with you know with the hopes in mind of making another Super Bowl run. And they they added some some more weaponry. They drafted a couple receivers. They got some depth on the offensive line. The one pick I do like, Kayvon Wallace, he's a safety from Clemson that I was calling for. Um, I'm glad they were able to scoop him at 127. Uh, 
I would have taken them at, at pick 103, to be honest, where they took the, you know, linebacker slash safety maybe project in Davion Taylor. But, you know, so I am on board with one of the picks. The other, it looks like they picked some speed receivers. I mean, it's all about surrounding Carson Wentz with this, this speed track team, and I kind of take the model of the Kansas City Chiefs, just having all these elite, speedy wide receivers. Um, that's great and all when you have speed. The problem is, can you get off the line of scrimmage? One of the downfalls on one of their later wide receiver picks is it, it, he has trouble getting off with press coverage. The guy's only like 100. Well, that's a problem. I mean, in order to get off press coverage, you got to have some damn good footwork. So maybe you don't have the strength, but you have quick feet enough so that basically it kind of freezes the cornerback. But we'll see what happens, man. Um, I do like their selections later. Again, you know, can you find starters for your football team? That's what the draft's all about, finding starters and finding great contributors and people that could possibly be Pro Bowl players. And Harry Rosen's track record is not good. I mean, I think the biggest thing with the whole Jalen Hurts, I kind of – slept on this a little bit. I kind of thought about it. Like, you know, they kept referring to Taysom Hill on steroids. I heard Sal Palantonio say that. Like, how many snaps a game? Like, I don't want our offense to be some damn gimmick offense. Just be a regular offense. If you want to sprinkle in, man, when some running situations, when it's, you know, fourth and inches or you need that yard or and you don't want to. You don't want Carson susceptible to taking that type of blow again, and you know risking getting injured. And I get all that, but and, and I, it, it's nice to have a decent insurance. We all know there's not a bigger position of need to have a good, you know, backup quarterback. I get all that, but I just think where they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round wasn't he a guy that we probably could have gotten in the third or the fourth round. I don't know. I don't know how much other teams liked him. Yeah. But I don't really hate him as a player. Like, I think he's got some upside. But it's just how high and how many other needs you had on your football team on both sides of the ball. I just didn't like where the pick took place. Yeah, I agree. It was like stockpiling, stockpiling an asset in a spot where you typically wouldn't do that. And, you know, it. You couldn't have signed Jameis Winston for $1 million and let him be your backup. Right. Now, granted, when he's throwing passes to the other team on a regular basis, I'd be going out of my mind. But who's to say Jalen Hurts is ready to even come in and play September, October, November this year anyway? Especially with everything going on in the world, with not being able to have the off-season stuff. Right. No training camp or maybe a condensed training camp or whatever. And then the other part of it is, too, is like, what the hell is Nate Sudfeld still doing on this roster? Like, if he want, he couldn't be active in the playoff game last year. And, you know, Wentz yeah. got hurt. I'm like, all right, here comes Sudfeld. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, it's actually some 40-year-old guy, Josh McCown, who I get confused with, Cade McCown. And I don't even know if they're uh, related. And then he's playing on a torn hamstring as the game's winding down anyway. And sure, the guy left it all on the field. But it was like having a grandfather out there. Like, give me a break, you know. They they got caught with their pants down in a big moment last year against Seattle, but that's but you don't react to that stuff, you know. Just because the day after that that game ends, Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson hand each other a post-it note to talk about speed and whatever their three things that they had written down were, you know, is he healthy? Can he catch a football? Can he run fast? Like 
what are we like in elementary school handing out like little notes to each other? Like this, this is their big, their big thing. Like, did you see that story? What's that? Well, like the day after the season that Roseman and Peterson, like went over their checklist of, of how to improve the football team. And it was three things. It was like, can they run? Can they stay healthy? And I don't know, something else dumb. And it's like, huh. what, what kind of, what kind of philosophy is this for, for an NFL team? Like, I, yeah. You know, don't react to like be out ahead of the curve, I guess, in some ways. But but don't try and outthink the room either. And that's that's the part that bothers me. It's like they think they're smarter than everybody else. And time will tell. But this, you know, we could look back five years from now and Justin Jefferson could be Anquan Bolden. He could be a perennial pro bowler, 90 grabs, a guy that just is a monster in the red zone. And and Rager might not be on the field or or maybe he's only good for, you know, Maybe he's your Mike Wallace. I'd rather yeah. have Anquan Bolton, you know, like. Um, I'm totally with it. That's a great comparison. I never thought about Anquan Bolton at Jefferson, but that's an awesome. That is a very, very, very good comparison. I like that. Like, I, I, I look at Jefferson's frame, and I think, like, possession receiver because of his size and strength, but can go get right. the football, can right. still extend the field vertically. You can put him yeah. anywhere on the field and, you know. Wow. Like I mean, when, that, when you had Bolden and Larry Fitzgerald together, now that was a hell of a, t- of a combo, you know, but, but who's the Larry Fitzgerald yeah. to, you know, or who is, who's the compliment to uh, a Rager or Deshaun Jackson or. Oh, well, or, let, let me give you who that is. Our thing of Whiteside. I don't know if you heard the news uh, on JJ, but. Um, let me guess. He looks good the, in shorts. No, there's, there was talk that came out saying that he was banged up all season that he was injured and he dealt with all these nagging injuries, and that's why his production was so bad. And the fact that he had to learn more than one receiver position. Mm. Again, that goes on the coaching, not having a guy like, listen, this is simplifying the system for the young man. But when was this guy on the injury report? Listen, What were all these injuries? John Meadon, I mean, dude, those uh, are excuses. And you know uh, how I, I feel know. about them. Like, uh, I know. It's such a waste of time. It's such a cover-up. <laughs> it's up. unbelievable. Listen, he made some plays during the season. The first yeah. play of uh, the first play against Dallas in the, the second-to-last regular season game. That was a game. catch, yeah. Right. yeah. And, you know – down at some point i remember watching it on the amazon prime documentary they did on the eagles so i know he scored a touchdown i mean the guy was out he was on the field he just wasn't open very much it appeared or didn't know what the hell he was doing or whatever and either way that's an indictment on just not being ready to play exactly and and again the thing that's always going to kill me with howie rosen and these drafts joe is the fact that we continue to ignore the sec which is the best conference in college football. And it's not even close. Like, big, you can throw out Big Ten ACC. Like, 40 players in the entire draft got drafted from the SEC. The second closest conference might have been the Big Ten or the ACC with, like, 15, 16 guys. Like, that is a huge difference. And it literally took the Eagles over two years to pick somebody from the Southeastern Conference. Yeah. Like, do they not have scouts in the South? Because if they want, I'll become one of their scouts. <laughs> if that's what they need, no problem. I would love to attend the likes of Alabama, Auburn football games, LSU. Like, are you kidding me? Like, they finally, they took Jack Driscoll, you know, the guard in, from Auburn in round 
you know, five or six. But if you look at last year's draft with Miles Sanders and that, they didn't take anyone from the SEC. It's just like, what are we doing? I just don't understand. They talk about, oh, we got to get younger. We got to get faster. Well, most of the speed comes from that conference. Yeah, those are NFL-ready players most times. That's it. You know? And then you look at certain other factories, you know, if we want to go back to the old QB factory term, like like Ohio State. Right. Like, that's usually, like, you know, you can get some prime players out of, uh, out of Ohio State. You know, the the, 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 the conference that's it's just hasn't produced that many good college players is the Pac-12. And then we heard all this worry about Andre Diller not being able to play. Like, you moved up in the first round to go get this guy, and now all of a sudden you're talking about bringing Jason Peters back and Andre Diller might not be able to play? I mean, that is a huge strikeout if you if you botch that. And the other thing I heard later, which I didn't even realize, did you know that they didn't even interview Andre Diller throughout the draft process? What? Yeah. That's how crazy that is. Well, that's insane yeah. because part of the issue from what we're gathering, if could be true, could be speculation, is that mentally he's got a tough yeah. time. He was he was getting right. upset in practices and breaking down emotionally. And yeah. if that stuff's true, you had to vet him during the draft process to see if he can yeah. handle it. Some guys are just kids. Yeah. And they stay kids. And you, yeah. And, and let's not forget, where'd he come from? The old Pac-12. Oh, boy. You know, that's another My Danny favorite. Watkins move right there. Exactly. Like I just don't understand. You're, you're moving up to take a guy that's on your board you didn't think would be there, but you didn't interview him? Like, you can't be serious. Yeah. Well, anyway. overall, you know, the the day three stuff like you talked about, it's like throwing darts at the dartboard. And Let's, for every, I mean, you know, look- you could add every speed guy there was from Boise State or wherever, and half of them are going to be Shelton Gibson. You know, like, just not going to get on the field. Going to play special teams for two years, and then it'll be with the Jets or the Falcons or whatever. Like, you know, so those are those are coin flips. And I I don't know. It's just – it's frustrating the way it played out in rounds one and two because as a fan – again, this is fan talk, but you get excited for those big picks, right? You get a first rounder and the second rounder, and after that, who cares, really? And for them to go pass on one of the – Bonafide top five wide receivers to see him go the next pick to a team you could be playing in the playoffs. And then to take a quarterback in round two, it was just not what anybody expected. So we'll see how it all plays out. Hope to God they got it right. But if I, yeah. if I ask you right now, John Mita, all right, and I know we didn't prepare to talk about this, but if you look mm-hmm. at the wide receiving court, okay, and we're going to have to make some assumptions here, okay, we're going to assume the season starts on time. We're going to assume that everybody's healthy. We're going to assume that everybody's got it figured out from a playbook and a rep standpoint and all that. Okay, those are a lot of big assumptions. But let's put Mm -hmm. it in a perfect world vacuum for a moment. You have Deshaun Jackson. You have J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. You have uh, Jalen Reger. You have Greg Ward. Mm-hmm. And then you have Alshon Jeffrey. Let's just say he's healthy and gives you two-thirds of the season, right? Maybe you don't have him the first couple of weeks. Okay. Are you better this year than last year? Um, you have more bodies in the room? I would say, yes, you, you are a little better right now on paper. But the question is, 
it, here's the craziest thing. If you're looking at that group of wide receivers, and I'm going to tell you right now that Greg Ward was the most consistent wide receiver out of everyone yeah. you named right now, wouldn't that be a little frightening? Right. Well, that, again, why? that's why I'm kind of like, yeah. what, everybody's like, oh, they added speed. Look at the Eagles are doing adding speed. But yeah. did they get any better? I don't I, care if we I, got this, faster. Yeah. I need production. Yeah. So, again, I know. Let's, I think... let's assume Deshaun's healthy and Deshaun plays the whole year, which is maybe the biggest, like, if – and or yeah. one of all of them, right? Like, this could be the biggest leap of faith. But let's just say at age yeah. freaking 30 or whatever the hell he is, that he's good and that he plays mm-hmm. 15 games, give him. Mm-hmm. All right? And you get production there. Greg Ward <laughs> Greg Ward gives you better than uh, than Aguilar, <laughs> you know? Sorry, buddy. It's all good. Sorry. <laughs> Jefferson. Jefferson. Cool out. There you go, John. <laughs> May- oh. See, see what brought up Aguilar. See what happens. Yeah, he gets all fired up, man. Nelson Aguilar tries to pull a three. Uh, Would you come sit here? Sit here say that. Down, say that you get like Aguilar production from Arthega Whiteside, or from Greg Ward, or like what you know. Like I'm just trying to look at it. Like you lost Aguilar, who could drive you crazy, but did make a couple of plays, you know, a few times throughout the season. All right, but. I just don't know how to project these guys, you know, because there's so many, because yeah. there's so many just red flags or, or unknowns. And, yeah, and, I mean, and, and we talked about like, they had to get better at that position. It's inexcusable not to be better. So if it's week six of this upcoming season, whenever that is, if there's fans or not, and we'll find out the Eagles schedule later on tonight when the NFL releases it. But if it's week six and we're having the same conversations we're having last week, six, which is, man, the defense has given up huge plays and there's no weapons on offense other than Miles Sanders in the tight ends. Like, I'm going to literally go out of my mind. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it's going to fall on how good can Rager be. Um, and I'm with you. If, if those guys stay healthy, they'll be much – I think it'll be a better situation. I mean, the one thing that I do like – is there's a lot of quantity in the room. So, you know, there's like 10 receivers on the depth chart, you know, guys that you think they can play. So we're, we're going to find out about it. We're going to see, you know, who's going to make this team and, and, and hopefully they can be better. It's going to be hard for these guys to make an impact due to the fact that there is no rookie minicamp. There are no, you know, training off-season training situations. There's, you know, training camp might be shortened, which – which you know could could hurt the production of these guys, but we're 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 gonna find out. So I'm I'm the other thing is too like they didn't do anything. There was a couple wide receivers like veteran guys that were like available. Your oh, Marquise Goodwin, I guess I forgot Goodman. Uh, yeah, Goodwin, yeah, that yeah. trade. But again, guy, another guy that you have to assume he's the healthy. Last three, you're right. Yeah, he's been banged up the last three years. You know, has he shown some flashes, productions that got him paid? Absolutely, but. He could be in the same boat as Deshaun, you know, and now you're relying again on receivers in years. And, and if the Ortega Whiteside pick is a complete strikeout, you know, you're setting your quarterback and the franchise back because you're not putting the pieces around him. Yeah. I would have loved for them to go, fine, go get Rager. And then with that, that pick, 
when Denzel Mims, the kid on Baylor, was on board, which is a different type of receiver than Rager. Yes. He's 6'3". He's, you know, big, lanky-type target, you know, has the speed, but a physical-type receiver. Yep. You know, had some inconsistencies with dropping the football, but but still. But that if you would have said, okay, I didn't get you one of the top three guys, Judy, C.D. Lamb, or Henry Ruggs III, but I got you Jefferson and, and Jalen Rager, and, but I'm going to get you or, – or I'm going to get you, you know, Jefferson and Mims, or I'm going to get you Rager and Mims – you know, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, because like, now you're insulating that younger group with now you've got two high end first two right, guys that one right. of them is going to contribute. You just know it, like you're just yeah. it's a numbers game, right? And, exactly. And and my whole like, and I know they're like Carson wants to throw the ball downfield. Okay, that's great. Everybody loves the home run. It's the sexy, you know, the the hail mary, the bomb, the fly pad. Like everybody loves it. Chicks dig the right. long ball, right? But you got to have a guy that can move the sticks. Because if we go into just chuck and duck mode, first of all, I don't even know Wentz throws a great deep ball. I think that's very much up for debate. Yeah. And now you got young guys trying to run those deep patterns. You take two steps towards the wrong hash mark on a deep ball in the NFL, and it's a difference between being picked off, overthrown. You know, you got to be on the same page with those plays. It's not just, this isn't just backyard ball where you chuck it up and. And whoever's the fastest is going to get there. That'll work occasionally in the NFL. See Tyreek Hill, but at some point you got to be consistent in your route running, your ability to catch the ball, your ability to get off the line of scrimmage, like you talked about, to stay healthy, uh, to know the plays. I mean, all those things. You can't just be like, all right, we're, everybody just run deep because Wentz will throw it fifty yards. First of all, who the hell is protecting the quarterback that long? You know, I mean, there's just so many. I just feel like it's flawed thinking and what and what and how they approached it, but I guess you know we'll find out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a winged. And listen, hey, can we just say a little prayer to baby Jesus? And maybe one time on the third day of the draft, we find these diamonds in the rough. Maybe the kid from Temple is a good linebacker. Maybe John Hightower doing wheelies and riding on the pegs of his bike with no hands <laughs> becomes to be. Could he become the next Antonio Brown or just some guy? They're like, you didn't expect much, yeah. but then just becomes a really good football player. We never seem to have that happen in our drafts. You know, it's either you pick some top end guys and you're like, well, one of these guys can be pretty good. And then, but never on the later rounds. I mean, I can't name you one player on rounds three through seven where I've honestly come out and said, yeah, I think we found a diamond in the rough, man. I think that guy's going to be really good. You and imagine, you? Uh, can you even think back, of, like, look at the last four, five, six drafts and name a guy? No. That has been no. uh, become a surprise kind of starter that wasn't a first or second yeah. round pick? No, we've had better success finding, like, undrafted yes. free agents, like, a.k.a. You know, Corey Clement yep. or somebody like yep. that. Yep. Like, you know, guys that has found a way to contribute for the football team. So I'm just hoping that one of these guys, I mean, God, I mean, it's just so frustrating. It, it's frustrating when you're like, when you, when the fans and, and a person like me, you're like, dude, I know. I <laughs> these people are the experts, but I swear I know I can draft better than them. Yeah. I know. Like, 
So we'll, we'll see what happens. Let's but, let's stick with Corey Clement for a second because I'm glad sure. you brought him up. You know he's my yeah. guy. Yeah. And obviously, you know, if you look back at the Super Bowl and now yeah. fast forward two seasons, this guy's fallen off the map mainly because of injuries. Yeah. They bring him back now. Apparently, he's really cleared. He's good to go. But even when he was healthy last year and the season prior, I'm using that term loosely because who knows, maybe he just was never really healthy. He just didn't do much. And I, I, I can't understand how this happened. Like, he led the Eagles in receiving yards in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a huge part of that team all year long. Yeah. I'm, I'm really – I'm just going to chalk it up to injuries, I think. But – you know, also, I think they need to, to, to get him a little more involved, too. I don't necessarily knew that or thought that he got the opportunities that he should have after the Super Bowl. But and maybe maybe he just didn't work as hard, you know? I mean, he had so much yeah. success that it kind of, you know, went in the Super Bowl, and, and he was such a key contributor. You know, that touchdown catch he makes in the, in the back of the end zone was just incredible. Dude, the Maybe wheel route a... play is my favorite play of the Super Bowl. I yeah. know until we talked about this, and I caught some flack for it. But, like, the biggest play, in my opinion, you know, or or one of them is that wheel route down the sideline. First yeah. of all, it set up the eventual Philly special. That was a third down late in the first half. Yeah, You're trying to extend the lead or take the lead. I forget if the Patriots were winning by a point or two or whatever it was. But, like, the Eagles were – you know, I don't want to say on the ropes in that game, but going into halftime, as you know, when you play the Patriots, you need, like, if they score going into halftime, they're probably winning the game because they so many times they've just been able to take that momentum and run with it. And instead it was the birds, rather than punt the ball back, you know, they Foles hits him on that wheel route. He trucks that guy at midfield and takes it for like 40-some yards all the way down into the red zone. Yeah. And that, that set up the Philly special. And that essentially, you know, was a huge, huge moment in that Super Bowl. And that guy, you know, undrafted and, and just sort of had that chip on his shoulder that year. And I'll say this, if he's healthy, I really like the running back room. I think between Miles Sanders, Boston Scott can give you that power game and somebody like Clement that can do it all, catch the ball and run the ball. Like, I think it's a it's a deep and versatile running back room. And I'm fine there. Like, I, I'm, no, they didn't I'm need fi- to draft their running back. No, you know? no. I'm, I'm, I know people are thinking maybe they need, like, that veteran-type hammer, like a guy like Ray Dinger was high on his Carlos side. But I'm with you. If those guys are healthy, if Clement's healthy, I, I like you too. I expect somebody, Miles some- Sanders to have just a monster season, by yeah, the way. Somebody, like, there's, no, yeah, there's yeah. no turning back for him now. And Boston Scott proved, I know it was against terrible NFC East teams, but he runs hard. He does. And I'll take a guy that runs hard and wants the football and gets you those short yardage yeah. red zone touchdowns and use Miles Sanders for everything else. I think it can be a pretty good combination. No, I think it can be too. They also they have a they have a guy that they signed unrestricted free agent, Chris Warren. He's a, he's more of a bruiser. He could be he could be a sleeper to make the football team. We'll see. All right. So, uh, one other thing on the birds before we move on, John Mita. Sure. And this, I'm just Do you want to sign Jadavian Clowney? Is that where no, you're going? No. Hell no. Okay. Good. I hope All he gets right. hit by a truck. Okay. Um, the weakest position group on the football team right now, as it stands, is uh, what? Oh, uh, it's clear and obvious. It's linebacker. I yep. mean, it's not even close. I mean, yep. it's you know Ray Dinger. I heard him on WIP with 
you know, John Ritchie and Joe Kramer like yesterday and where they were just talking how they didn't draft any linebackers. And like, he basically said that like Nathan Jerry is pretty much, he'd be a special teams player. He said nobody on their linebacking court could start for any of the other teams in the NFL, which is a huge statement. And I don't understand why we undervalue just these, you know, that's a position we've undervalued for years. Like, it was so funny when the mock drafts were coming out. And Daniel Jeremiah, who I have a great deal of respect for, they're talking about the Eagles might draft Kenneth Murray at 21. I'm like, listen, I love a middle linebacker, Oklahoma thumper. Even Patrick Queen from LSU, I would have loved taking. But they haven't drafted a first round. And I it just... I just don't understand why in this day and age you don't think you need good linebackers. I mean, tight ends have begin have become such an integral part of NFL offenses today. So you need guys to be able to run with them. And, and you know, the running backs have gotten a lot faster. And I just don't understand why that is a position where this fo- this football team just feels like they can plug and play with anybody there. I just don't understand. But some of those safeties they drafted seem lighter. They seem more like that hybrid type. They seem like they'd be better suited to be a linebacker. Don't you agree? Well, like a guy like Davion Taylor. Like, he's 222 yeah. pounds. Okay, are you going to beef him up and make him a line like that hybrid linebacker you speak of? Sure. That means he's also going to have to gain 10 to 15 pounds, which could be – you know, a hard undertaking with, with, Oh yeah. I guess I'm looking at it the wrong way. You want to be probably what? 240? Maybe not 240, but be, at uh, least 235. Who was the guy? Uh, LeVon Kirkland. We had LeVon Kirkland going no, again. In the I middle? mean, he was way too heavy, but, but, but I know, but, <laughs> but no, a guy couldn't even, no, I know, but like, like I, I would love to find neck. that, that linebacker, the, the do it all linebacker, the guy that can cover, Running backs out of the backfield, considering we have some pretty good ones in the division. Um, the guy that can, you know, basically blitz when called upon up the middle. And, you know, like, I mean, Michael Kendricks was like a, a pretty good linebacker for this football team that could do those types of things. Even, even Hicks, you know, we Hicks signed a big deal. He couldn't stay healthy. Then, you know, last year he goes out for the Arizona Cardinals, and he plays 16 games. I don't know if he made the Pro Bowl, but he had a really good season last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, Nigel Bradham was was that guy. Right. You but know, then the he kind of just time slowed. And, yeah, I know, think between, he was on the Yeah, down. between the salary cap and the injuries. Right, I think so. he was kind of on the downside, like the in the tank. But, again, yeah. just never a position that we value, and I think that's going to hurt us. I, I, I just think – I agree. I think that is the one position – it's just – how do you – my question is this. After you watch, like, last year, how do you not – if you're Howie Roseman, if you're Doug Peterson, how do you not understand, like, that linebacker is a position of weakness? I think the two biggest things were, if you look at one side of the ball, what was your biggest weakness last year on offense? Pretty pretty clear, right? Wide receiver. I mean, it, yeah. it just stares at you, right? You look at the defense side of the ball, D-line's always usually pretty strong – Secondary, there are some questions at corner. You had some good booking safeties back there, but linebacker has been an issue. So why not? Yeah. Draft and now, one of 
with Malcolm Jenkins walking, right. he was sort of a pseudo linebacker on, right. I don't know, 30% sure. of the snaps or whatever. So, um, and I know Will Parks, the Philly guy they signed from the Broncos, you know, he plays his snaps all over the map. He'll play corner, he'll yeah. play, he'll play slot corner, he'll play safety, he'll play in the box. So I get it. But again, it's like this. They Smarter. always see well. It's, yeah. a, it's a yes. It's a it's a different league. It's a hybrid league. So we'll guys who can do yeah. everything. How about just getting somebody that's really good at one position and leaving yeah. them there? And just you know, just have a middle linebacker that can run the defense. That's athletic yeah. and it's got a mindset that he wants to murder somebody. And I'm good. Right. And then build around right. that. You want a bunch of young, thin, fast, athletic guys around that cerebral thumper. Right. Then boom! Now you've got a defensive like I, you know, like an identity. Like, and again, that's why with the draft, like I would have been okay. I know wide receiver was a huge need, but if you get a guy like Kenneth Murray, you know, he was yes. the, that ultra, you know, probably the best linebacker in the draft between him and Patrick Queen. You know, pick your. Yeah. Po- I think Queen what number twenty went right before the Birds. No, he, Queen went after. Of course, the Ravens scooped he him did? up. Yeah, twenty eight. But 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 um. But Murray, basically, the Chargers moved back into the to the first round and traded with the Patriots, so they can move up and get Kenneth Murray at twenty three. So, you know, I would have been okay if we said, you know what, we'll get a receiver later on. This guy could just yeah, too good to pass, good up. To pass up. with you he for could have been one he's of, with you for a decade in the middle exactly. of exactly. That's the type of guy who that kid's going to be, and I would have been okay with that. I mean, technically, you probably could have been able to nail, you know, you probably could have went with Kenneth Murray and Denzel Mims with your first two picks. Right. I'm good with that. You know, you get yeah. you, you get or another slide back. Yeah, or, right, exactly. Like, why can't you yeah. get like you're, somebody wouldn't have given you a fourth or fifth round pick next year yeah. to jump up two spots, three yeah, spots. Exactly. You know, and then you go, OK, like we didn't. We, Justin Jefferson was there. But we really didn't see him like the other three. So we moved back four spots. We took a linebacker and we added a draft pick. And nobody's questioning that. Yeah. You just have to, I mean, you can't come out and say Justin Jefferson stinks yeah. or he's got a bad personality. Like you can't ever tell anybody why you didn't take him. But just we did our homework. We valued this guy at, at, at 21. We were able to get him at 25. We thought it was a win. We acquired a draft yeah. pick. And the fans go, okay, all right. Absolutely. You know, anyway. All right, let's jump to the uh, Mount Rushmore job. Uh, NBC Sports Philly had a had a tweet the other day, and I screenshot at Sanatia. And we're going to go off just their list here. So they had three players from the four major teams in Philadelphia listed. Sure. And you were able to choose one or, you know, basically come up with your four for your Mount Rushmore. And here are their options. For the Eagles, they had Nick Foles, which is a joke in itself. No offense to the Church of Foles, but that's just embarrassing. <laughs> Brian Dawkins, right. Randall Cunningham. For the Flyers, they had Bernie Perrant, Claude Giroux, and Bobby Clark. For the Phillies, Mike Schmidt, Chase the Man Utley, Jim Tomey. For the Sixers, Julius Irving, the Doctor, Allen Iverson, and Will Chamberlain. So, again, Eagles, Foles, Dawkins, Cunningham, Flyers, Perrant, Giroux, Clark, Billy Schmidt, Utley, Tommy, Sixers, Irving, AI, and Wilt. And those are your those are your options, and only your options, Sean Mita. Why don't you give me your four on the Philadelphia Mount Sure, Rushmore. my four is for the Eagles. Gonna go my boy. Got to. B. Dawkins. I'm gonna go Michael Jack Schmidt for the Phillies. 
I'm going to go Bobby Clark for the Flyers. And then I'm going to have to go with Julius the Dr. Irving. And so that's going to be my four. It was hard. There was a couple All spots right. that, were, that were hard. But that's, that's what I'm going with. I got Dawkins, uh-huh. Clark, uh-huh. Utley, uh-huh. and AI. And here and here's why. Now, B Doc, I think we're on the same yeah, page. Yeah. Not maybe the most beloved athlete in Philadelphia sports history. Um, so he's you know, Foles, like I said, no offense to Nikki Six, but that's just a joke. You know, uh, let's be honest, four playoff wins is what he'll be remembered for, and rightfully so. Randall, obviously a great talent, but didn't win squat. And, you know, I I just think if you're looking at impact and Hall of Fame and all those things, it's B-Doc. For the Flyers, yes, Claude Giroux has been the captain forever. Yes, he's, I believe, past Clark for most points in Flyers history. If not, he's second. Bernie Perrant, you know, the greatest goalie in franchise history. We hope Carter Hart someday surpasses him. But it's Bobby Clark. I mean, it, to be the captain of two Stanley Cup teams, the only Cup teams the Flyers have ever had, you have to give it to him. You could even lump in all of his international accomplishments, blah, blah, blah. But just from a Philadelphia standpoint, you know, he's the only guy to, to lift the cup over his head. Um, the Phils. Obviously, Michael Jack is Michael Jack, and, and I get it. But I, I just had to go with Utley. You know I'm an Utley yeah. guy. Uh, uh, it's just... You know, the things he accomplished in a short career because of injury um, aren't going to be duplicated anytime soon by any second baseman in this organization. And obviously, he's a World Series champ. And he had a hell of a World Series against the Rays in 08 with a couple of dingers, including one and game one. And on on the Sixers, man, I'm with you. I, I thought long and hard about this. And Dr. J, you know, Wilt, we never saw. He played elsewhere as well. But I'm just thinking from a Philly standpoint, yeah. the guy that brought basketball back to Philadelphia, in my yeah. opinion, is Allen Iverson. He's the reason I started watching Sixers yeah. games regularly in the NBA regularly. So yeah. for me, cultural impact, uh, putting the city on his shoulders, maybe being as much of a blue-collar embodiment of Philadelphia as any athlete we've ever had, I had to go with A. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Um, I like the fact that we have some differences, but I'm with it. I was I was gonna go Utley too, man. What what he brought to the table, you know, winning the first parade back in how many years? I mean, it was just amazing. Just such a solid career. Just just on and off the field, just a class act. Never said yeah. who yeah. and and understood Philly because he worked yeah. hard. And like so I'm with it. If I were those are the two content like the two that you picked were the two toughest ones that I – and I'm with you with Iverson. Like, Iverson, like, our friends, your brother-in-law, like, we all got season tickets. We got two Sixers tickets, and, like, there was, like, eight to ten of us that went in on it. So, hey, you'll go to a game with, you know, this guy. You'll go to a game with this guy, and we switched up. So, Alan Iverson essentially made us buy season tickets for the Sixers one year. Um, but it was just – it was just great basketball, man. The guy played with literally nobody. Again, another organizational failure where for years the yes. Sixers couldn't draft guys to, to to help this guy out, you know? They finally got it right with some – Larry uh, Hughes. Stop, stop. 
I know. Uh, burns my ears. I mean, just so many blunders, you know, just blunders. So yeah, I, I can understand why you would say Allen Iverson, why he should be on the list and, and, and oddly. So, uh, so that's, yeah. so if that's the Mount Rushmore, did NBC sports Philly leave anybody off that like just off the top of your head, you would be like, why didn't they include this player? Well, I mean, option? for the Eagles, I mean, Reggie white, man, you definitely got to think that he, he would, yep. he would be on, you know, just, I know he didn't play his whole career here, but he should have. Uh, it's a shame that Norman Freeman was honestly, such a jerk like, off. You know, I love I love Jim Tobin. Yeah, you know right. he in a lot of ways brought baseball yeah. back with the opening of Citizens but, Bank Park. But but not, Ryan Howard had a better career as a yeah, Philly. But not a yeah, but not he's he's not a Rushmore guy. I mean, you know when you think of Jim Tomey, you don't think Philadelphia Philly. You think Cleveland, and right? Him, or at least I do. You know, and yeah. So yeah, yeah I think Reggie is the. Uh, is the biggest Reggie's one. The one. Yeah, I think that's the biggest one. Um, you know, Flyers. I, I think they got it right with the Flyers. Um, so, yeah. How about you? Can you think of anybody else? Well, you know, and it's. I mean, it's it's, it's McNabb point. on there. I mean, McNabb over Cunningham. I mean, or Foles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean the Foles one. I mean, he's always going to be a god because he delivered. He delivered. Yeah. So he did deliver. Amen. I should watch my tongue. No, uh, what's, I mean, what's I mean, in, but what's embarrassing though about the Flyers, yeah, is that you got two guys that haven't played here in forty years. <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah. there's nobody for. There's no Rick Tockett or Tim yeah, Kerr yeah, sure. or anybody. Brian, Lindros, yeah. oh, Lindros, like E-Halls. nobody. E-Halls could have been close to making that list. Yeah, they could have went. But, e- uh, they could have went. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know Bernie. Yeah, but maybe E to ruin Clark. That would have been a tough. Give me some. Give me some Rick Tockett on there. So Rick Brindamore. Give me oh, Brindamore. Nice. Like, yeah. but we got Clark and Perron. Yeah. We're lucky they're both still alive for Christ's sake. <laughs> and and then and then Claude. Tell Giroux, them Bernie. You know, it's kind of a <laughs> again. It's it's one it's one marketing yeah. move. It's a social media person, NBC Sports right. Philly, and they're like, "Hey, come come up with this, yeah. and and have it ready for tomorrow yeah. on Twitter." You know, that was good. So any list, there's going to be debate, but I thought it was at least interesting, and something we could talk about for Great a couple minutes. Discussion. For sure. Hey, and feel free, peeps out there on anchor.fm. Yeah. Uh, email us, text us your uh, Mount Rushmore, Philadelphia, anybody we left yeah. off or whatever. We'll always uh, we'll bring it up next step. Yeah. What do you, um, do you hear? The NFL is finally killing the pass interference rule. What are your thoughts? What do you mean? Well, you know, they're not going to be able, you're not going to be able to replay pass interference. It's officially. Oh, so dead. it was a one year. It was a one year trial, and it's where dead. they didn't overturn anything anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's. What a joke. I mean, that the, the thing with that for me is the ones that were so blatant, clear, and obvious that didn't get overturned, that's what I had a problem with. It's like, I know you don't want to be able to challenge pass interference all the time, but there were guys getting railed, and you're like, Man, that is clearly bad. But I just yeah. don't think they, like you brought up before in a previous podcast, they just didn't want to embarrass their officials. They didn't want them yep. to be scrutinized. And it, it just, yep. it was dead from the start. So They put, they put the rule in because it was an egregious mess in a huge right. game against a team with a high-profile quarterback and head coach. Right, exactly. Big time. And they had no choice but to mea culpa and try and get it yep. right. And now 
Yeah. You know, looking at it a year later, they're like, this was dumb and it put up more pressure and strain and we had to hire more people in the booth and all these, and they just said, probably screw yep. it. And, and you know what? It, whatever. Like I said, it didn't impact much anyway exactly. because they weren't, they weren't changing it to begin no with. Doubt. So, um, Johnny Mita, we want to talk about a couple of shows all right. that the peeps out there should be watching. Yeah. Uh, brotherly love podcast, <laughs> recommended shows, prime Netflix, sure. HBO, whatever. Uh, did you finish Extraction? I did finish Extraction. Yeah, man. Did it hold up to my height? Uh, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. It's a great shoot 'em up, you know, like, but then, you know, sometimes I like movies with happy endings. It didn't have the happiest ending. It did not have the happiest yeah. ending. And actually, maybe that's why I liked it. Yeah. You know, it yeah. wasn't the carbon. Yeah. Like, I kind of thought. Survived. I, I don't want to spoil yeah. it. I don't want to spoil yeah. it, but. But it's a, I kind of thought they could have yeah. had an ending where they walk off into the sunset. Yeah, together. yeah, yeah. It's uh, and that it was an entertaining two hours. So put, you yeah, know, I exactly. Some to fill fill a void. It was right yeah, there. Exactly. Um, a show that I just finished up that I recommend is um, it's a detective show on Amazon Prime and it's called Bosch, and he's a detective, Harry Bosch. He's a Los Angeles um, detective, and basically the show starts where. He's chasing an assailant, and people believe that he goes to trial for killing somebody that kind of brandished a firearm, the suspect did, but you don't know if he did or maybe it was planted. This guy, a dirty cop, and it just... But the th- cool thing about this show, it's been on... It's now it's in its sixth season. And the cool thing about this show is it's like one case, but the whole case gets orchestrated over ten 10 episodes and there's a lot of twists and turns. And uh, so that was very entertaining. So Bosch, I throw that on the list for people that are, uh, that are looking for a new show to watch. If they're like huge law and order fans or stuff like that, you know, this would be in their wheelhouse for sure. Now you and I both watch hunters. You recommend it to me. It's also Amazon prime. Um, Nazis currently in America type deal. Uh, Pretty crazy plot and and uh a really ending that i didn't see coming yeah your thoughts on hunters, yeah, hunters was good i mean the, the nazis making its way back in america is an interesting concept um yeah i thought it was good it was you know i love al pacino as an actor he was very good in it and it was a little gory i mean so for those who are <laughs> Just keep in mind, it's a little, uh, it's a little, little crazy. But oh no, I thought the storyline was good, and you gotta love the twist plot. I mean, anything with a good twist in the end is always something I'm in favor of. Let it be a television show or a movie where you don't see things coming. You're like, oh my god, like that's, yeah. I, I, I love that type of stuff. So, yeah, that that's another good one. Um, Ozark, Ozark. Of I haven't um, seen season three yet. I'm working towards it. Whoa, uh, Johnny uh, Mita. slow on the roll. I was supposed to, you know, watch it with uh, my girlfriend, but she's kind of slow to the roll. So I think I might just start on my own now because I just – but now I'm watching. Yeah. You're the one that told me to watch Breaking Bad. I'll never forget it. We were having some beers at 9801 on the porch, and uh, you were like, dude, what do you mean you haven't seen Breaking Bad? Are you kidding me? And so – so now I'm watching Better Call Saul. I just started that. Nice. Have you seen that? Oh, I yeah. mean, Saul yeah. goes, it's one of my favorite characters. I mean, his, 
Oh, you'll love it. Uh, as he's, moves along because yeah, it gets really good. Or priceless. So, so yeah. All right. Well, then sure. let me ask you this, John Mita, because I've heard a lot of this talk lately. Because Ozark season three ends on okay. a bang, and it's getting a lot of acclaim. And I'm seeing people saying, oh, it's up there with Breaking Bad or it could be the best show yeah. ever and all these things. Now, you haven't seen season three yet, so that's going to be hard. But I, I will throw in this caveat to folks. Remember, most of you listening, if you've seen Breaking Bad, watched it years ago. Recency bias. Yeah. Okay? Ozark season three, you just watched it. You're like, oh, greatest show ever. Let's not forget. Hashtag never forget just how good some of the shows from yesteryear were that we just haven't seen in a long time. The Wire, yeah. Breaking Bad, Sopranos. We're Sopranos yeah. fans. Uh, you're telling like you don't. I don't think you're gonna find a better like season one of a show than maybe a Dexter or back in the day oh, twenty four. Yeah. Like so, let's not yeah. let's not forget about some of the some of the yeah, classics de- just because Ozark hit us in the mouth during quarantine time. And I love Ozone. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be a top five show yeah. for me probably. But uh, recency bias, I think a big reason why some folks are starting yeah, to get yeah. twisted with just how good it is. All right, one more I got sure. on my list, John Mita. You and I talked about this other night. But Money Heist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I won't throw it. I got. How did you watch Money Heist? What audio did you use? Um, why, you read through all the subtitles? What do you mean? Well, no, so... And I put on Money Heist. It's in yes. English. Did you notice that the? <laughs> so let me tell a funny story. This, is a, this story is hilarious. So, because I've been bugging yeah. out about so, this. This story is except. So, when I was between homes, when I moved out, my brother and basically I was waiting for my apartment. When I moved in with your brother-in-law Keith, me and him started this show, Money Heist. So we watch it together. He gets done work. I get done work. You know, we, we'd watch the show together. So we went like six episodes and then my girlfriend yep. came over and was like, wow, this is like really bad. And we're like, what are you talking about? She's like the audio content. She's like, you guys don't understand that this is like dubbed over. So originally this show, it was called La Castle de Papel or something. And it was the Spain show. And then Netflix bought it and then adopted it. So they dubbed it over. All the actors are from are, are Hispanic or Spanish. And so they dubbed it over from English to fill in. So if you can get over the goofiness of that, it's not bad. Yeah. But the storyline and the characters are really good and interesting. Yes. Yeah. So it got me a couple episodes in. I'm like, man, the audio is not matching right, exactly. Up. So sometimes, especially back in the day, or if you got a bad stream yeah. like Wi-Fi, you just pause it for a second, right? And like, or maybe just exit out of the app. You go back in. All of a sudden, yeah. it's fixed. And that's what I was yeah. expecting because at one point it got, got annoying, and I'm like, man, this is like it's just weirding me out. Like some of the audio is fine because like they're not, you know, it's the the cameras behind the actor, and so when they're talking, you can't see their mouth moving yeah. anyway. So it's not like every word, every second of the show is so obvious that it's not matching up. So then I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, so then I just did a Google search, like money heist audio. And they're like, it's dubbed. I'm like, well, shit, that makes (laughs) a lot of sense. You know, like, 
Now that makes total yeah. sense why some of the laughing is just like odd. Yeah. Like it sounds well, even the voice should be a little goofy, you know? Yes, because they're like voiced yeah. over, you know, in a right. booth right. somewhere, exactly. probably. So then I'm like, well, do I just play it in Spanish? And yeah. Subtitles. But then that was weird for me because they don't look like this is going to sound odd to even say, but they don't look like Spanish yeah, actors. Yeah. Because they're all like again, it's a this different is like, group. Yeah. I, uh, hope, yes, it's just they're 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 yeah, white yeah. folks, you yeah. know. So like, they're as pasty as you yes, and I. Some exactly. of them. So to see them, you just assume they're going to be speaking no doubt. English. And then when you watch the first couple episodes in English and you don't know, then like trying to go back and watch in Spanish with English subtitles was like I'm not doing this. So now I'm just trying to finish up season one with nothing but the dubbed over audio. So if you watch Money Heist on Netflix, yeah. it is awesome. But be ready that the audio will yeah. be frustrating. And one, one of my favorite shows, Homeland, came to a, an end. But I liked, I, liked yeah. how, um, I liked how they ended it. You know, a lot of times when a series ends, you're like, Jesus, you just don't feel that it fulfilled your expectations of, you know, how, but I like the way they ended that. So that was, and the outsider, I don't know if people have HBO, that was like a, a 10 part series, which was also um, Jason Bateman's in the early, early episodes of that one. Um, but that was a good one about Stephen King's book. So that was interesting as well. So. Yeah. I've heard good things yeah. about that as well. Awesome. All right, Johnny Mead. Well, good you stuff, brother. It. Appreciate you it as always. It. Thanks for everyone listening. Appreciate all the support in this weird era. And let's hope that, you know, you know, we can bring some sports back. Um, you know, it sounds like baseball and, and NHL, Joe. It sounds like they might be gearing up for the summer. So that could be awesome. We can have a lot. Yeah, we'll be, it'll be weird to watch sports. hockey in August, but yeah, we'll take 100%, it. 100%. No know? doubt. Um. But yeah, again, you can follow us and, and listen on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, of course, Anchor.fm. Um, you know, just subscribe. You'll get the notifications when we post something new. And always appreciate the support. Everybody tuning into the Brotherly Love Podcast. Sean Mead, glad you're back in Philly. Hope to you see you. You got it, buddy. Weeks, Sounds good. Bird's schedule will be out tonight. They'll win the Super Bowl. Until then, go Birds, Brotherly Love Podcast. We'll see. You.